0: The problem was that it was a tsunami coming down on our heads as we were going from Canada and racing all the way down the coast and trying to get back to Ohio as all the borders were closing and the safe, um, um, stay in in place, shelter in place orders were coming. And we were just like, oh my God, oh my God. And we're trying to pick up our money from each of our investors and we're doing it with masks. And it was just, the whole thing was just crazy. Hey, it's Josh. Before we get started with this episode, I just want to ask that if you're listening, please subscribe in your podcast app so you'll get notifications when new episodes come out. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend and maybe leave a review. It will really help us out. Okay, enjoy the episode.
1: Breaking news tonight, the coronavirus forcing millions more Americans into virtual lockdown. Our country wasn't built to be shut down. This is not a country that was built for this it was not built to be shut down. America will again, and soon, be open for business. Uh, very soon, a lot sooner than uh, three or four months. It's some-
2: there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of you know wondering if you're risking your life by going to work.
1: Welcome back to Restarting America. Today I'll be interviewing David Taffet, the co-founder and CEO of Pedal, and his wife. Christy Swallen, the co-founder and executive VP of social impact of Pedal. David has spent the last 30 years building companies, leading teams, and raising capital, almost a half a billion dollars and developing cross-sector partnerships for commercial and public gain. Along the way, David worked his way through college and law school, met the payroll needs of hundreds of employees, raised enormous amounts of debt and equity from his own projects and other ventures, oval and other businesses turn various enterprises around and work internationally in different industries. David's wife, Christy, is currently working on establishing Pedal as a certified B corporation. She also strives to make sure that Pedal is committed to sustainability, responsible sourcing, and a true balance between profit and purpose. Before Pedal, she served as a director of community engagement and service at Miami University of Ohio, where she raised more than one million dollars in leading significant expansion of the school's civic and community engagement portfolio. Thank you, Christy and Dave, for both being here today.
2: Good to be uh, here. Thanks for having us.
0: Absolutely.
1: So to get started, I know we went over your bio, but will you tell us a little bit about your story and how you started Pedal?
0: Sure. Um, well, what's not apparent from the bio is that there. There's probably an inclination in it that you would know that I was a bit of an entrepreneur, but I was also a civil rights lawyer. And I'm able to inspire and work with teams, and I can always do that with heart. But I've never been able to do it with formal training and capabilities until I met Christy. And this is the first time that I've launched a business with a partner, and certainly the first time I'm launching it with my wife, which is... A wonderful combination and you know from Christy's background she brings real purpose and spirit to what we do and perhaps you can speak to it yourself.
2: So uh, I've never launched a business before Um, it's my first time launching a business and um, I echo David's sentiment I'm happy to be doing it with him (laughs) (laughs) Um, and um, you know I think that it's a cool opportunity for me because I'm able to now utilize those skills Um, that I gained in the nonprofit sector, and apply it in this business setting.
1: Why did you choose this business of all the things you could start?
0: And what we're selling is a way that allows us to have no more rot, no more stink, no more spread of germs, not just for diapers, but for all of organic food matter, um, feminine hygiene products, adult incontinence products, and pet waste. And when I can imagine a world that is fresh and clean and hygienic, it's very appealing. And I think there's an enormous market for a fresh world. I think we're ready for it.
1: So, talk about the business itself. Like for my people who don't know what Pedal is and
0: really what Pedal is doing.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's a nice marriage when you're like struggling to decide who gets to speak. Um, So, Pedal is the world's first zero odor zero degree disposal device it's actually an appliance so when you think about the meal you might have had let's say that you had kimchi and fish there's nowhere in your house you should put that that should go right outside but if you had the pedal you would put it into it and within less than 35 minutes it would freeze to a solid block there's no rot no stink no germs less than a dollar a month to run it, and that is less than the cost of one load of laundry just on the wash cycle.
2: when he says block, the important thing to notice note is that. there is actually zero humidity inside of the petal. So, you know, when you put something in the freezer, um, you'll take it out after a few days and it's like a block of ice. Everything in there gets frozen, but it's completely dry. Um, So it makes storage, I think, more efficient. Um, Yeah, that way.
1: So talk about like your backgrounds and how you being a parallel entrepreneur and your social activist, how you able to start on why you think that this combination is so effective?
0: I would say that um, whenever you start a business, you always want to start with a commitment to people. And if you want to focus on the people, you need to connect with them. And to connect with them, you have to have purpose, and you have to have empathy. And because I have that philosophy, it's a natural marriage for Christy and I to run a business because I've never gotten the formula just right. And so. I think that would be the part where you would. Speak yeah, to it. <laughs> well,
2: I would just say likewise. You know, David has decades of experience running all different kinds of businesses, um, and this is my first time doing this. So, if we if we had the company and we decided that we wanted it to be purpose driven um, and stand for something. Um, That's great. But a lot of times companies don't actually have that background expertise to know, okay, how do we start to engage with nonprofits? You know, how do we build a grassroots campaign? Um, These are things that kind of come afterwards they're kind of afterthoughts.
0: And it comes down to where I'm responsible for execution, and she's responsible for voice and heart. And we agree. And we trust each other, which makes it much easier to operate.
1: That's wonderful. So um, I, I've heard that you guys also have a very unique approach to funding um, and uh, crowdfunding. And can you guys talk about what is going on there and how you've started with that?
0: Yeah, um, as you noted in the bios, I've raised close to half a billion dollars so far in my life. I wanna see competitors. I wanna know someone that I'm gonna have to beat or someone that is gonna be threatened by my presence because it means there's something worth having. But the second side of it is, I want to be able to facilitate a buy of intelligent money. I want people who are looking to make an investment to look into the venture as I've presented it and say, "Yes, I will invest money in this." And by their making that statement, I now know I, I have both sides of my affirmation. But in this business, this is the first time it's um, the first time we're doing a consumer product. I've ever done a consumer product. And what I didn't know until I started down this road was there's not a lot of money for seed investment or early stage investment in consumer products which is why they have shark tank and things that have to be sensationalized to draw attention. So in order to launch something like this, you'd have to have at least three to $5 million. You have to manufacture it and you have to put it out in the world and hope that they come. I don't believe in that philosophy. So what I wanted to do instead is find a level of affirmation. And the way I did it is I went to what I had determined from my research was the very best crowdfunding or pre-sale event manager in the country. And that's Rain Factory. Rain Factory has for six years launched the most successful ventures that have produced hundreds of millions of dollars in pre-sales for their uh, companies. And my feeling was that Well, and I should add that they're also very selective. They don't take everyone that comes to them. They're very careful about who they pick. So I knew if they chose us, that that is a level of affirmation. So I went to make a presentation to them over the phone because of everything that's going on in our world. And they immediately got it. They understood why pedal was powerful. They see that it was absolutely going to be a category killer and they want it in. But for the first time in their six years, not only did they say we're in, they're in 100% for equity. They gave their entire suite of services for equity in the company and invested close to $100,000. In six years, they've never done that. So that was the affirmation we got. And so our industrial designer, Scott Henderson, is world famous for putting out hundreds of products that 94% of what he does goes into mass manufacturing and mass um, retail and he's also in a lot of museums. And he too took a, um, 80% of his fee in equity. So we felt good that we were in the right place with two partners that absolutely understood that this is, should succeed. So our pre-sale event now is seeking the people that wanna be the founders, the people that will make this company real by buying the product In the net in, at the end of this month, we're gonna do it by buying the product early and we use those proceeds to manufacture it and deliver it to them and those individuals get it at a greatly reduced rate from what will be our ultimate retail rate and so that's what a pre-sale event is
1: and where are you doing this pre-sale event is on kickstarter indiegogo or your own website
0: we're doing it on our own website unlike a lot of the companies that generally um, rain factory would work with we're not We we are in no way a startup in the traditional way If you were to look into our company and see how deep our management is and the caliber of our people and our operations, we are very much an enterprise. And we're not just launching a product, we're launching a branded enterprise. Because one of the things that I learned in life is that IP protection doesn't protect anything. It just ensures a lawsuit if someone infringes. The best way to protect yourself, the best moat you can make around the castle of your enterprise is your brand. So we're focused on our brand as well as our product which goes back to the heart and voice that we discussed.
1: So what would you say beyond the funding do you think has been the the most difficult parts in launching this business?
0: We've had a number of challenges in every part of what we've done. And I would say that the part that's been most difficult for me because I am insanely impatient, (laughs) that would be an understatement, (laughs) would be the delays that we cannot control and covid has laughed at me and has taught me no matter how fast the virus moves (laughs) we're moving slower and we everything from how we raised our money to getting a camera ready prototype to being able to get into a studio to do photography with people to getting into video production everything has been delayed
1: can you talk about like some of the thoughts that were going through your head when you had like canceled meetings early on and uh, maybe fundraising being cut short and kind of what happened with you in those periods and what were were your thoughts were?
2: Yeah. I mean, especially for me as a, as somebody who's launching a business for the first time, I definitely started to panic. I thought like, Oh my God, you know, this is the end. We're never going to be able to do this. Nobody's going to want to buy anything. Um, and you know, once I kind of got over that initial fear, um, and we started to talk about it, um, you know, we realized we could still do it and we can still succeed. And I think if we, if we weren't able to, um, you know, be level-headed in our assessment, um, we, we could have stopped, uh, we could have quit. But um, because we were able to stay calm through it, I think we were able to identify ways that we could still win.
0: For me, this is the third time that I'm launching a business amidst chaos. Uh, The first time was after 11, I had um, run a co-location company called Meridian Telesis. And when everyone else was pulling back and really stopping their operations out of fear, I actually expanded nationally and started participating in buying more assets. I launched a company called Red Swan on Rachel Ray and expanded nationally At exactly the moment that everyone else was not willing to do it and so I have a very contrarian approach and like a a very open mind and I also generally have a a fairly good sense of humor amidst pain I find ways to laugh even when things are crashing down or I'm just like that's hysterical so I think that in our interactions where she gets a bit more fearful occasionally I just laugh and find ways to say, but look at this, like, this is so much fun.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. One of the things that I have seen out of entrepreneurs is they definitely come in, not business owners, they come in all shapes, sizes, and forms and different kind of personality traits. And, uh, but one of the things I've noticed is they all are inspired by something. And um, what I'm curious are, is is there somebody that inspires you guys right now, inspires you in general, um, and uh, you kind of having the mind to see you've been able to kind of keep pushing forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think um, the healthcare workers, uh, all the frontline workers, educators, if they can do that, then we should be able to do whatever we need to do um, while we're here safe in our homes together. Um, so I, that has been really... Motivating me.
0: I share Christy's sentiment. And so to look out at the company, we're all operating remotely. We're in Canada and in DC and in New Orleans and Washington State and California, and I'm leaving out people in between. And we're all operating with some people having kids at home that are homeschooled now because of this. Just situations we never imagined. And we come together every Thursday and we have a happy hour. And every single day we're connecting by video and by phone and by text, and we're happy. And I find that just completely um, just overwhelming. It it inspires me completely.
2: Yeah. And one of the things that David has always brought to his businesses um, is this real idea of culture. So he's obviously infused Petal with that. So I think that... Um, All of us in the company motivate each other um, because we all really like each other. We get along. but We also really respect one another. So like if Anthony, our chief of staff, asks me to do something, I want to get it done and I want to blow him away, you know, and I think that all of us feel that way about each other. So, you know, it's awesome that we have each other, obviously, and we can motivate each (laughs) other. Um, But we also have, you know, our petal family and um, all of us motivate each other too.
1: Um, So if you can go back um, to January, thinking back to all this craziness that's happened, um, would you do anything differently? What would you tell yourself if you can kind of go back to your January version
0: of yourself? I would have started my mantra of "Be patient" a little bit earlier than I, it took me to get to it, <laughs> but otherwise, I, I actually have to say that i'm um, I think we've used this time well, and if we hadn't, I'm the kind of person who would call it out and say, well, we failed in this execution or we could have done this better." <laughs> How about you?
2: I would have um, I would have just told myself that it was going to be okay. I think I would just tell myself, you know, keep on going. It's going to be okay. You're going to figure this out. Um, and, you know, I know that no matter what happens, um, we're going to be okay. Yeah. So, you know, we're just happy and grateful in, in that fact. And I would just, I would just emphasize that to myself, my January self.
1: What do you think is going to be most important for your business to continue?
2: It always comes down to raving fans.
0: You want the people who get the product to report that it was exactly what they thought and more. And you want them to realize that the life was improved because of it. And you want them to tell people about it. And you also want them to really recognize that the brand was authentic from beginning to end. And part of Christie's mission and responsibility is to be positive that we have absolute integrity in every word that goes out, every mission we pursue, Everything we position that we're operating with heart and purpose, and especially in this world, people care about that more than you might think people really do care
1: i I can agree more caring is is a fundamental thing that people really need in all business and humanity and um, and I guess that kind of is a good segue to um, our next uh, thing I want to discuss today about um there's almost like a dual issues going on in America today with racism also kind of being the center stage. Um, Would you share how this has impacted you both?
2: Yeah, um, so I mean, this is an issue, um, it's been my life essentially. Um, And so this time has been really, um, you know, sometimes scary, but also very, again, motivating, inspiring. You know, I'll speak openly. Yeah, we absolutely. had a yeah. uh, one of our employees, a co-inventor of um, Pedal, had mm-hmm. his name Brian. He had posted um, racist and incendiary things online several years ago, um, and. Um, we, we found these things uh, recently, and we had to confront him as a company, um, and there had to be repercussions. Um, you know, we, uh, we all love and care about this person.
0: He is a solid human being. Yes. In a way that does not comport with what we see online. But we don't subscribe to cancel culture. and. I, I think you articulate it best when you talk about the change you want.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, um, obviously some people deserve to be canceled. Yes. Um, but Brian is somebody who has, um, he has apologized for the things that he posted. He understands why those things are wrong um, and is doing everything he can to become a better human being. Um, So are we going to punish that person, you know, for that, or are we going to say, look, you, you mess up um, and we're all upset about it, but we acknowledge that you're sorry and that you're still a human being that we care about um, and that you can make mistakes.
0: Brian was someone who required a really strong punishment. He is, he is stripped of his title. He's not allowed to have anyone report to him. And he wrote an editorial to his hometown paper in Hamilton, Canada, and said, if you looked at me online, you would think I'm a racist. And confessed to everything he said, talked about the fact that he should know better because he is a has a master's in engineering. He's a very intelligent person. And in fact, has never really had a reason to be threatened by the people he said bad things about. And it takes a, a lot of courage for someone to say those things. And I think it takes more courage to say those things in the the volatile political environment we're in now because we could be criticized that we didn't cancel him. He could be criticized that he didn't apologize well enough or that he's doing something formulaic and there's a volatility to this that is uncomfortable.
1: So what do you think other business owners and community leaders can do to help think about and react to these kind of issues that they're like you're experiencing in your company?
2: It's tough um i mean i think that um for any large organization whether it's a business or a nonprofit or a, a, a you know a university um you have to really look systemically at your own policies um you know how do your policies affect people of color um, where is there baked into the system some form of discrimination? Um, and you know these things exist all around us, and um, we're, you know, usually not aware of them. Um, so I think you have to really look structurally at your organization and assess whether the things that you're doing are helping to advance this cause.
0: Another thing that I institute everywhere I go is a safe phrase and um, the one we're using in this company is Magna Carta. And when someone is taking a conversation that's becoming politically uncomfortable or emotionally escalated, if anybody in the company says Magna Carta, the conversation stops, done, over. If anybody hears something that's making them uncomfortable or if a conversation is escalating, if anybody says the phrase Magna Carta, it ends immediately. And everyone stops and just recognizes, okay, this was uncomfortable. And especially the person who was escalating or getting more emotional has to stop and essentially put themselves in a professional timeout and pause and just say, whatever my intent was, the effect was obviously different. Because unless I intended to hurt someone or upset someone, then I need to just pause and know that I need to stop. And we find it to be really productive. And it allows for everyone to feel safe in their own environment and with each other. And it creates a, a tremendous level of respect.
1: So with everything that you guys have learned um, from this pandemic, from the, races, from the issues with racism, what do you think you want to take away from this pandemic five years from now? Mm-hmm.
0: I always like to take fun stories. So I think this one is rich. I think it has given us so much. Like if you were watching even how we raised, we did raise money beyond raised a little bit of money, um, several hundred thousand dollars above and beyond the equity investments of our partners. And as we were doing it, we could not have chosen a worse time. As an entrepreneur, you always want to be where the wave is about to be or as a hockey player you want to be where the puck is the problem was is that it was a tsunami coming down on our heads as we were going from canada and racing all the way down the coast and trying to get back to ohio as all the borders were closing and the safe um this um, stay in place,
2: in place shelter
0: in place orders were coming and we were just like mm-hmm. oh my god oh my god and we're trying to pick up our money from each of our investors and we're doing it with masks and it was just the whole thing was just crazy and I think that all I want to remember is just there is nothing out there that time and distance won't make funny so long as you survive. No? I'm
2: still thinking. <laughs> that. Um, you know, despite the you know despite the challenge that COVID has presented, that we've been able to really navigate things as best as possible. You know, we we can't control what happens with public health or the stock market or, you know, there, there, there are certain things, the weather, there are certain things we cannot control. Um, but the things that we can control, I think we've navigated really well. Um, that would be five years from now. If I could look back and say that mm. I would be really happy with, with myself and with us.
1: You too. What's your last words of advice that you either give it to yourself or to other business owners, um, as you guys and others move forward.
2: Mine would be, um, that you should stand for something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's really important that, um, the end goal is not just profit. Um, that, you know, your company, your business, whatever you're offering has some has some public purpose. Um, It it always does. It's just uh, the question is whether you're going to authentically act on that purpose um, or, you know, just, just talk about it because a lot of people just talk about it. Um, But I think it's really important for any business owner to um, truly stand for something authentically and um, make sure that that is the driving force of whatever they're offering.
0: Mine would be a natural extension of Christie's philosophy, and it would be people above profit. And the irony of it is is that by putting people above profit, generally profit follows. And so it's just setting your priorities straight and maintaining it is beneficial, but it shouldn't be the end that motivates you. It should be the means of your team that you work with. No one should work for you. Someone wants to work for money, that's okay. But they should work with you. And I think it's a very important, powerful way to build businesses and teams.
1: Both really good uh, words to think about and live by. And um, I appreciate both your time. It was so much fun to hear your story and um, wishing you the best success as you launch um, a couple weeks from now. And um, as you move forward, it's a very exciting stage of your company. So you congratulate yourselves and uh, it's a tremendous
0: achievement. Well, thank you so much for having us, Jeremy. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you two.
2: Thank you so much. And uh, if you want to learn more about Pedal, you can go to pedalclean.com and check it out.
1: Check them out. All right. Thank you.
2: Thank Thanks. you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Restarting America podcast. Make sure to subscribe in your podcast app and visit restarting-america.com for more episodes like this one. Restarting America is produced by 97Switch.